not just a blind faith. And so tonight, before Ben and Sarah share their testimony with us, I want to um, read a passage from John chapter 3. So if you have Bibles with you, you can turn there. If not, feel free just to listen. Uh, We're going to read the story of Jesus and Nicodemus because Nicodemus also asks some questions and Jesus responds to him and his questions with, with biblical truth. And then I'll invite Ben and Sarah to come up. All right, John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. But how can these things be, asked Nicodemus. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things, Jesus replied? Truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you don't accept our testimony. If I told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. And anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one, the only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does does evil hates light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. So, in this passage, what we see is Nicodemus asking, Jesus, what does it mean that I need to be born again? Jesus is explaining how to be saved. He's like, the light trusts in me. I have come to save people. God has sent me, who's also God, but the Son of God, Jesus, to die to save people people. Nicodemus was still having a hard time understanding this concept, and Jesus says, don't, like, don't you see what you know? And in verse 12, it says, have I not told you about earthly things you wouldn't believe, but how you, will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? Before that, he says, we speak of what we know, and we testify of what we've seen. It's not just this blind faith that Jesus is telling Nicodemus. It's a faith that has been reasoned. Things that people have seen for their eyes. 
people, things that people have experienced and witnessed. And we've learned about this during the last several weeks of our, of our teaching series, Is God Just a Human Invention? That we have reasoned faith. That there is good evidence that we know that Jesus is God. That God is real. That God loves you, has a plan for you, and desires to be in a relationship with you. And then so tonight... We're going to see that practically lived out as Ben and Sarah share. So if Ben and Sarah, if you want to come on up, I'm going to pray for them before uh, we get into um, our testimony night. So will you pray with me? Father God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for an opportunity to open up your word, to hear biblical truth, and then God, to see it lived out practically. God, I pray that you would just give clarity um, to Ben and Sarah as they share their story God, I pray that you would just um, open our hearts and ears to just listen to what you have to say through them. God, I pray that we would um, just see your truth and draw closer to you because of it. God, we love you. We serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, Ben, Sarah, thanks for being here tonight. Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, so how this usually goes, students, I'll ask a couple questions. They'll respond to a couple questions. Uh, I got five or six, so it's not a lot. Please, play please pay attention because in your small groups, you will be going over what they shared as their story as we ask questions about their story and how you can relate to it. So please pay attention. I know we don't have fill-in-the-blanks or pins tonight, um, but take mental notes. Or if you do have notepads, please, please take notes with this. Um, and then at the end... If you have any questions for them, we'll open it up a little bit for um, audience questions. So be thinking of some questions that you may have and be listening to what they have to share with you about how God has worked in their lives um, and, and really uh, shown Christ through them. So question number one, what was your life like before your relationship with Jesus? What was family like? Give us a little bit insight of who Ben and Sarah are, um, some things that would be helpful to know about your life. And then maybe what are some doubts or misunderstandings that you have about God before you were in a, a right relationship with him, before you confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, thanks for having us tonight. Um, so uh, I grew up outside of Benson. I uh, grew up in a farming family. Uh, myself, older brother, and a younger sister um, grew up in a loving family. My both my parents were really uh, involved in what we did. My dad always coached, um, was, yeah, very hands-on, and we also worked together being on a farm. So we were all really close, but we were not believers. My parents were not believers. We did go to church, uh, not, not regularly, um, maybe every other week. It was pretty inconsistent, although we, you know, growing up in, you know, my grandparents, they were believers. Um, so, I mean, the... The aspect of faith was evident, and we you know, we knew that, just really didn't um, care, I guess, as much to what it meant, you know, for ourselves, for a personal relationship, but, um, so yeah, it was very inconsistent, um, again, loving parents, you know, I, I feel like the work, et work ethic of being on a farm kind of cultivated, uh, almost my spiritual walk uh, as far as more of a works-based mentality, you know, do this, uh, 
Um, I would say that probably feeds into the yeah the doubts and misunderstandings. Um, be a nice person. Be a good person. Um, do this. Don't do that. You know, the church we went to was more of a kind of a fire and brimstone, you know, repent, be baptized. Not really. There wasn't much discipleship as far as the why of what you believed. Um, I think that's why this sermon topic is great, you know, knowing what you believe in. So there were a lot of uh, subjects that were kind of taboo and not talked about. <clears throat> um, so without discipleship and not really knowing kind of the why and the reasons for what you believed, mm -hmm. um, it was just more of a list of do this, don't do that, um, you know, be a good person. And so that mixed kind of with my kind of work ethic, I just figured I was a good person and um, that's all that it really needed to happen to to be saved. So um, I would say that was the biggest misconception. Uh, check boxes. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I like I said, I knew that I to do the right thing and just kind of yeah chose kind of not to do you know what 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 I should be what I shouldn't knew that I was supposed to be doing, but. Sarah, same Hello. question to you. Yes. Um, so growing up, uh, my parents got divorced when I, I was five um, and was not raised in a Christian family. I have one brother. Um, when I was 10, my dad remarried, um, but I basically never went to church unless it was like with a friend. I spent the night or something and I might go to church with them the next day. So um, that was basically my extent of knowing anything about Jesus and um, misunderstand. I mean, I remember being a little girl and like laying in bed and thinking about forever and thinking about like what's going to happen to me. Like, so I had this fear of of death and what forever meant and what that I from a very young age I remember that um so there was like that fear of the future but I think I told my so I guess in saying although I did not know the gospel I did believe that there was a God so I I I had like this basic foundation of like if you're really bad you're going to go to hell and if you're good then you get to go to heaven and obviously I wanted to go to heaven, but I just thought, well, I'm not one of the bad ones, like really bad. So I'm sure I'll probably be fine, hopefully, maybe. Yeah. That's how it was. Yeah, yeah, no, thanks for sharing. And then, Sarah, you can start with question number two. What events then led to your moment of conversion when you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Um, you know, how did you, one, become aware of your need for a Savior? And then um, who did somebody help you to understand uh, who God truly is and, and how to be in a right relationship with him? Okay. So I will say when I was probably like 10 or 11, I went to a lock-in with one of my friends at her church. And I remember hearing the gospel message and then, you know, asking if you wanted to ask Jesus into your heart. So at like 10 or 11, I did. I like, you know, everybody else, like they were like, put your heads down. So everybody else like had their head down. They're like, raise your hand if you want to ask Jesus into your heart. And, and I remember like feeling like my heart kind of beating fast, you know, and I, I just, I raised my hand. Um, that said, I did not. 
there was a wonderful woman that lived across the street from me, and she she did try to follow up with me. Like I remember going over to her house a couple times, um, but there was no support in my home. You know, it just didn't. It was it that was kind of it, just kind of fizzled out. Um, and just growing up, then I continued to do what I wanted to do. So. Um, Still didn't go to church, um, junior high, high school, starting college, just did what I saw fit to do, which I partied, I, um, you know, on the outside, I looked like a good kid, I mean, I got good grades, I, you know, didn't cause big ruckus with my family and things like that, but I um, definitely was not walking with the Lord, there was almost no regard for God. Um, I just did what I wanted to do, and the group of friends that I was with, that's, I mean, we just went out, and we partied, and we did what we wanted, and, um, you know, that lifestyle um, leads to a lot of, like, being ashamed of things that you've said or done or um, whatever, so there's, like, a lot of shame and a lot of regret when you live for yourself, Um And I would say that that is probably that inner turmoil and tension is what kind of led me. And I guess it really was just the Lord working in my heart because all of a sudden I was like a senior in college and I'm like, I kind of want to go to church. And so I would go to like Northwoods. It's a big church in Peoria. Mm -hmm. Um, And they would have Saturday night services. So I would go there because it was giant and a huge crowd and nobody knew me and nobody talked to me because... That was not what I was looking for at that time. You know, I just wanted to go in and kind of hear what they were saying. So that's when I first really started hearing um, about Jesus and about his grace and mercy. Um, But it wasn't transformative at the time. It was more like informational. Like I was kind of like gathering information and learning about this. But uh, my heart really wasn't changed. Um, So that was at the end of college. I graduated from college, and I got a job um, at a bank. And the lady that I worked right next to was a believer. Her name was Brenda, and she was just the sweetest, just most joy-filled person like I'd ever seen. I would just look at her like, what in the world (laughs) is going on with this woman? Because she was just always joyful, laughing, like, talking, like, saying wonderful things about her husband and her family and just, um, just a servant's heart, you know, you could just see something different in her, um, and we became really good friends, and she invited, um, me to her church, and so I started going to her church, and the kind of cool thing, this was, Ben and I met when I was about a year after I graduated from college, so, this is all kind of like I starts to weave together at this point. But um, so she invited us to church or me to church. So I started going and actually started going with my stepmom and my grandma. Um, we started going and then um, my grandpa started going to church. So my grandma and grandpa had never gone to church when I was as I was growing up. So um, they started going with us, too. And so anyway, I just. Um, began getting connected there and getting that, um, 
you know, teaching and just taking all of that in. It's kind of, I don't have, like some of you may already have, like you could say, I was saved on blah, blah, blah. And you can say a date and a time when you surrendered your life to Christ and you asked Jesus into your heart and you have like that moment and, and everything kind of, there was that transformation after that and things started, you know, you started walking with Jesus. But I didn't fully understand all of that. So I would pray and I would ask Jesus into my heart, but then I would sin or I would do something I know I shouldn't have done or whatever. And so then I'm like, Ooh, I better do this again and do better next time and try harder this time so that I can, you know, stay in here. So there was definitely a misunderstanding of, of God's grace and mercy and things like that, that I then continued to grow in. But, um, I feel like I'm jumping around a little bit, but in December of 2004, then, um, Ben and I were engaged at this point, and so Ben and I were baptized um, together at that church, and also um, with my grandma and my grandpa, who were like in their 70s, or, yeah, yeah. so. Thanks for sharing. Ben, same question. Yeah, um, <clears throat> so, yeah, kind of like I was saying earlier, I, you know, was more of a moral, you know, we grew up in a moral uh, household, um, knew right and wrong, um, you know, would pray, but, uh, you know, just, uh, so as we kind of lived, uh, we lived for kind of what we wanted to do, but um, things started to change for me in, um, yeah, 2004. We met in May of '03. Um we, let's see, uh, we don't know when we first started going to the church in Washington, but that's where we ended up um, <clears throat> ended up going. But anyway, we were dating, and I could tell, you know, I knew her friend Brenda, too, and I could see that um, in what she, how she described Brenda was spot on. She was just such a joy-filled person, very kind. Still, still yeah, yeah, still is. Um, and... I could see that she was changing. Um, I could see that her, that Sarah's demeanor was a different. You know, when you look at somebody, like, there's something about them that's just different. Um, and, of course, me dating her for probably, you know, a year prior, you could, I obviously knew the change. Um, so, yeah, there was just something different. Um, she was starting to read a book series that was popular at the time called Left Behind. Um, it's a book series about uh, the end times and about when Christ comes back um, and raptures the church. Mm -hmm. And uh, for those that don't know, Christ are left behind. So she started reading that book series and was really into it and was kind of talking to me about it. And, of course, growing up in the church, I knew <clears throat> what that meant. Um, so first, let me back up. With growing up in the church, I had a, there was a foundation laid, so which was good. Um, so when she was reading that, I, you know, I think God really softened my heart to that uh, understanding of, you know, if Christ came back, am I going to, you know, am I going to heaven, or you know, you know, even if I died, am I going to heaven? So that started to really sink in. Um, and then like Sarah was talking about, you know, just the, the, um, 
thinking about what forever is and really the the scope of that if eternity is like you, you know we try and um, process that and we can't um, that's what that's why we serve an awesome God is we can't figure that stuff out um, so she was starting to change I could tell you know she's reading that she's talking to me about it you know <clears throat> my mind's um, starting to kind of think through things I remember uh, specifically we were on a date going to out to dinner we were going to um, Cheddar's in Peoria if anybody's it's not there anymore but um, so we were going there and we were going across the McCluggage Bridge in Peoria and I remember her saying to me she's like do you know Jesus as your personal savior and I was so offended of that because how dare you ask me that for somebody who didn't grow up in the church I who grew up in the church knew that and you have the audacity to ask me if I and I was I was mad and I I don't remember what I said but it wasn't very kind and our dinner proceeded to be in tears the waitress had to come back like two or three times because we weren't ready to order yet because she was crying and <laughs> it was a disaster um I felt terrible um that night you know it was another situation where God just softened my heart and I think that's really when conviction started setting in like you know you are not this good person you know it, it means nothing you know all your good deeds and that and just the pridefulness in my heart that I had was really, really crushed. So, um, so yeah, God really opened my, the eyes of my heart and, and how I was treating her, how she was changing. And um, instead of being happy and joyful for her, I became very prideful um, in my own. And, yeah, God slowly changed that over time. Uh, we started going to a church in Washington, like uh, Sarah was saying. We got baptized in 2004. And um, I think the last part of that question, or maybe that's... Um, yeah, did you have anybody who helped yeah, you into right, yeah. right understanding? Yeah, so the church that um, we were going to, there was, you know, a, a great group of guys that kind of took me under their wing. You know, the church taught more discipleship, you know, what it is to be a follower in Christ, what that means, what it looks like, the applications of it. Um, I remember going over to a, a guy's house, and we would do scripture memory and just accountability, like, hey, what do you need help with? What can I pray for? And it was just, you know, so different to me because somebody was, like, investing into my life of being a believer and what it looks like. So, yeah, that gave me a whole new outlook of, of what it meant to, you know, to have a personal faith, have a personal relationship in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. All right, a couple more <clears throat> questions. Uh, one, how has Jesus changed your life since your conversion? What are some evidences that the Holy Spirit lives uh, in you? Um, have you experienced victory over sin? And how has following Jesus changed your life? All those are kind of wrapped up into mm -hmm. one question of how your life has changed since that moment or since um, that season of life. Yeah, I. Um, <clears throat> it's really changed my perspective. Um, you know, instead of living for like the here and now, um, you know, you're living with an eternal perspective, a, a purpose. Um, you know, this life is not our home. You know, we have an eternal home. So that has really um, changed my outlook, uh, and especially in a, in a culture of today of, of, 
get all you can now, live for the moment. Um, you know, it's it's so, uh, you know, just, well, it's false. I mean, <laughs> because it, it's so fleeting, there's nothing lasting about it. And, you know, it may be fun for the moment. And I'm not saying you can't enjoy things, you know, today. That's not my, not what I'm saying. But um, to what really brings you joy and hope is not in this life. It's, you know, it's in, with an eternal perspective. Um, and the other thing was is living with an identity, um, you know, realizing my identity is not how successful I am. I mean, yes, you want to have a good job and support your family um, and do good, and there's nothing, I don't think there's anything wrong with really, you know, working hard and, and doing good, but to, to put your identity in something, you know, as a, a successful, I got to make my million dollars, or in sports, you know, I, I grew up playing a lot of sports, and you know, growing your identity as, as an athlete um, because successes are going to come and go. Um, they're going to, uh, you know, you're going to have a lot of mountains and valleys uh, in your life. So, but the one thing that remains consistent is is Christ. And so putting your identity as a believer in, in Christ um, was so important. Um, so continuing to live uh, with that mindset has really been for me. Um, so kind of how I said earlier that my life was kind of riddled with like this shame and regret and like this, you know, cycle of like, okay, I'm going to do better. And then like, the, you know, and, um, Jesus changed all that. Like mm. that was the amazing thing. Like I no longer had to live with shame and regret because I was living for Jesus, you know, and that's the amazing thing about God's word and, you know, I think sometimes you can read the Bible and be like, you know, well, Jesus wants to just take like all my fun away. Like I can't do certain things that I want to do anymore or whatever. And, um, you know, God's rules, if you want to call them that, his um, guidelines for our life are for our good. Like he created us. So he knows, he knows our hearts better than we know our hearts. He knows what, um, he knows how how we can have an abundant life. And when you are reading God's word and you're following Jesus, that leads to an abundant life. And that life is not filled with regret and shame anymore, you know? And so your relationships are better. Like everything just gets better when you start, when you can surrender and start doing things God's way. Like he knows he's the author of it all. So once you do that, um, not that life is suddenly a cakewalk and everything goes your way, but surrendering and letting him rule your life and your heart, um, it just, all that, that shame and, and regret and guilt and condemnation and all of that stuff is, is lifted. So, um, one of the questions, like how have you experienced victory over sin? And that's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting because, some things God just like immediately took from me once I was saved, like the way I talked changed. I didn't have the nicest vocabulary and that just like really was gone. I didn't struggle with that anymore. Or, um, you know, other things that I did, I didn't have that desire. It was just gone. Um, there are other things, you know, in life as a Christian that are still, you know, a struggle. We struggle with sin like that that temptation for sin is not just immediately gone from us just because we are saved. So, um, but 
he still is at work in all of that. So. Which leads into the next question. Perfect segue, Sarah. So you can, you can go first on this one. Obviously, when we become Christians, uh, our lives aren't perfect. Um, we still struggle with sin. And so how do you deal with sin differently now that you have a relationship with Jesus as opposed to before having that relationship with Jesus? And just how do you uh, process through the reality of having power over sin, but yet still choosing to sin at times in your life? Okay. Um, so again, like before, when you sin, you know you've done something wrong. There's that, the shame, the regret. And it kind of just, for me, it just pushed me like further away. It was like, well, I'll just do whatever helps me not think about all of that and feel the shame and the regret. So like you're in this cycle that is is just, or I was, that was just drawing me further and further away from the Lord. Um, so after being saved, like I said, you're not free of sin suddenly, but there's that difference when you sin, you have, um, a conviction instead of like a condemnation, if you know what I mean, like condemning feelings are very negative and very hopeless. And a conviction is like, I know I've sinned, but like there's hope attached to it. Mm -hmm. So I think of like conviction is like, you know, you know there's something wrong and it doesn't feel good. You're not like feeling good about yourself, but there is hope attached to that because as soon as you take that to the Lord and repent and ask for forgiveness, that is yours. You know, there is forgiveness there. So now my sin leads me closer to God. And sometimes it takes some time. I'm not saying like, you know, we struggle at times, but in the end, I always end up right back there. Like, just help me, you know, mm -hmm. like, and, and asking for forgiveness and receiving it. Like he is, he's gracious and he wants to forgive. So, and in first John one, nine was always a scripture that I really, um, that I still hold on to, you know, that when we confess our sin, that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it's not just a forgiveness, but also a cleansing of that. And you can feel that like, you can just feel the cleansing and just the fresh start. So, yeah. Thanks for sharing. Ben, same question to you. Um, yeah. I, I mean, repentance, and re, re, you know, coming to a faith in Christ and repenting and asking for forgiveness is not just a one time thing. You know, the mm -hmm. Christian life is one of continual repentance. You know, uh, we were talking today in our small group, um, you know, I don't, there's not a moment of the day that you go, that goes by where you, <laughs> you haven't sinned in some way in thought or deed or so, um, you're, it's, it's one of a continual repentance and, you know, knowing that living for the Lord and, um, you know, is being obedient to him is more gratifying, um, than, than the little, uh, insignificant amount of uh, gratification you get from, from sin. So um, one thing that has helped me, though, is is a believer, as I grow my faith and walk, is, you know, a believer perceives their own sinfulness in direct relation or proportion of how they perceive God's holiness. So if you see sin as being minimal in your life, like, eh, it's okay to do this or that, or I can look at this on my phone and it's not really causing any harm to anybody, well, your holiness of God is pretty low because God 
you know, is so big and so great and so holy and pure, he demands perfection, which we can't achieve on our own self, but through Christ, he, you know, Christ did. So, you know, if seeing the effects of sin and what that is and how monumental, you know, sin is, it, it leads to death, um, <clears throat> should give you a greater appreciation for how holy God is. So, um, so yeah, even though it may be something, in, you know, not innocent, but that's not a good word, but maybe something small in your eyes, you know, it is a big deal to sin because it can, it can snowball into other things and, and that. So, um, so taking your sin seriously. Yeah. All right. Last two questions. Uh, these are going to be quicker questions since we're approaching um, time, but we have plenty of time, so don't feel like you have to yeah. rush. Okay. But. Um, our student ministry, so we talked about we're studying apologetics this semester. What is one gospel truth that you would want uh, middle school student, high school students to know and to hold on to in this season of their life? Um, well, yeah, question, yeah, I, a couple questions I had down were, the answers I got were from some uh, Bible teachers that I wrote in my Bible a long time ago, but uh, for that <clears throat> um, question, I heard a quote one time from a pastor, John MacArthur, um, says, don't let external pressure compromise internal principle. And what that means is don't let the external pressures of the world compromise what you believe in, compromise, you know, the, the faith that you've been brought up in, you know, scripture, you know, Bible that is without errors, all truthful, you know, um, so don't let the external pressure who's, you know, this talking ear outside um, compromise what you believe in just because you feel the pressure of society saying, you got to believe that. You can't do that. You can't do that. Or you're a bigot if you know believe this. Mm. Well, don't let the external pressure compromise your internal principle of what, you know, God has called you to be as a believer and to hold on to, you know, to the word of God. Yeah, that's good. Sarah? Um, I just have to know who you are. Um, of your identity as a child of God that you, you know, if you have asked Jesus into your heart and are a believer that, um, you would just hold tight to the fact that that is who you are. Like you are not a basketball, you know, your identity is not in how you play sports or your academics or, um, what group of friends you hang out with or any of the above, like that your identity is, in Christ, um, because if you are living out of any other identity besides that, it's just, it's very exhausting and futile. Like, you just, yeah, just remember who you are and whose you are. Yeah, that's good, because those two go together. I mean, if my identity is not in Christ, and I'm going to try to win the approval of others around me, and I'm going to um, then cave into those external pressures and um, those influences because I want to impress people versus living in my identity in Christ. Know that I'm fully accepted by God and desiring to live for Him and His glory only. Yeah, that's good. All right, last question. What would be some practical advice that you would give to middle school and high school students on how to live God-glorifying lives? What, what is something that has helped you live out your faith and trust in God uh, when going through trials or just when going through different seasons of life? What, what's helped you and what would you share as practical advice for these students tonight? Okay, I have two main things. One, you need other people. 
um, we need other people to spur us on in our faith. Like it is not um, something that can be lived out in isolation if you are going to grow. And um, so that's number one. Um, and just an encouragement, you know, whatever you may be struggling with or whatever may be going on, um, you know, Satan wants you to think that you are alone in that and that that is like a sin that probably nobody else deals with or whatever, and that is just a lie. So um, just encouragement that you just invite other people in um, to spur you on, to talk to, to just bring things into the light, have discussions, because um, I guarantee you whatever it may be that you struggle with or that you're feeling, it's not new. Like there is nothing new under the sun. So um, just encourage you to share and to have other people um, in your life and to to um, get to know Jesus. What was the question like? Uh, to live God-glorifying lives. And I love the scripture. Um, didn't write it down. First Peter something. But his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Um, and I love that because it's his power and he has given it to us and he's given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him and that God called us by his own glory and goodness. He didn't call us by because of our good works. It wasn't anything we did. It was by his own glory and goodness. Um, but there is part of our responsibility to that, and that is our knowledge of him. Like, we need to be reading our Bibles. We need to be listening at these kinds of things. You know, when your pastors are teaching, like, um, just pray for a desire to want to hear and want to learn and want to grow. Because um, if we don't know him, we are missing <laughs> everything. So, um, yeah. Those were the two things, other people and get to know Jesus by being in his word and praying and having conversations. So. Yeah, that's good. Ben, mm -hmm. same question. Um, yeah, so uh, knowing your need, your daily need and dependence in, in Christ, um, you know, trying to do it your, your own way, do it um, your effort is you're spinning your wheels um, a lot of the time. So knowing your need, um Independence is in Christ daily, staying grounded and connected into the in the Lord through prayer and, and reading God's word. You know, to go along with what Sarah said, um, is so key and vital. Um, uh, one the other quote I had was from another pastor, John Piper, and it says, "God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in Him." Mm -hmm. So if you think through that, God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied. At, in him. So if you're staying grounded and connected to his word and prayer, um, that only, you know, shows the light of Christ to others. You know, God's glorified through you to others um, because you are, you know, seeking God in all that you do. So it's, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's our desire for you guys, for you students, and for all of us as leaders and everyone here is that we would be satisfied in God, that we would glorify Him in our lives, that we would enjoy Him. To do that, we need to know who He is. We need, to know, we need to know who Jesus is. We need to know the God who we worship. So we need to read. We need to see what He has given us in His Word. And then we need to respond correctly through submission and love uh, because He first loved us. And so, Ben, Sarah, thank you so much. Um, I will give a couple minutes for if there's any questions from students or leaders that you have for Ben and Sarah. 
And so uh, we'll, let's say we got a couple minutes. So if you got questions, raise your hand. Sam, what's your question? Do you yeah. still know Brenda? Yeah, she's, um, she would be like my parents' age. So she was um, quite a bit older than me. You know, we were friends. So we are still friends, but she's actually even better friends with my grandma. They hang out. That's hilarious. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> Any other questions from their story or something that they didn't share about that you would like to know? Anybody? Kyle? What church in Washington? Uh, it was a Highview Church of God. Any other questions, Joa? Uh, so what bank? What bank? <laughs> it was called National City, but then it changed to PNC. So you probably see PNC banks around. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I worked there too. Did, did my mom work there? I don't think so. Your mom worked at a bank too, didn't she? Yeah. yeah. And I thought she moved there then. Maybe. She was in Peoria. Yeah. All right, Victoria. Next question. So they're, they're members of Cross Point. Yep. Yeah. And Ben is an elder at our church, so he helps <coughs> um, with just the elder board and, and leadership and giving direction and serving our local body. Uh, you guys are also community group leaders? No. Uh, we're leaders? for about eight years. We let, you were leaders. Yeah. Let, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, now we, yeah. Are you part of Wolf's group? Yep. Now? Okay. Yep. Gotcha. gotcha. Yep. Yep. Any other questions? Amber's got a question. Repeat your quotes. My quotes, yeah. Um, so uh, John MacArthur's was, don't let external pressure compromise internal principle. She's taking notes for a small group to ask her girls. Yeah, it's good stuff. Don't let external pressure compromise internal principle. And then the other one was, God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in him. All right, we got a couple minutes. If you guys have any more questions, anybody got more questions? There's no dumb questions. Any questions? All good questions so far. Victoria, you got another one? <clears throat> No. And <laughs> yeah, we got a. And then we have Landon. Yeah, we have a junior in high school, Landon, Grayson, who's in eighth grade, and then Alana, who's in fifth grade. So, yeah. yep, we got three of them. Who's your favorite baseball team? Oh, Phil. I thought you were going to say, which one's your favorite kid? <laughs> 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 who's your favorite? Depends on the day. No. No. <laughs> um, no, the Philadelphia Phillies, although we blew it in the NLCS this year, but yes. Big Philly fans. And we have a dog. Her name's Parker. What kind of dog? Cavapoo. Cavapoo. Cavalier, yeah, mix. It's Sadie's sister. I got time for one more question. Anybody got one more question they want to know? Anything? Going once, going twice. Bell, is that a hand? No, that was like a half hand raise. No. Joe, you got a last question? Never mind? All right.
Well, let's close. And what, what we normally do with Testimony Nights is we pray for the people who have shared. And so um, we'll pray specifically for you guys. Do you have anything that you want us as a student ministry to be praying for you as a family specifically or anything else that um, we can encourage you in or praise God with that's happening? Besides raising teenagers, yeah, three say, kids yeah, at home. Yeah, parenting teenagers. Uh, no. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. No. Yes. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, let's pray for them. Let's, um, let's pray for Ben and Sarah um, here. And then also when you guys are in small groups as you close, continue to pray for them in your small groups as well. So showing support, let's raise that hand see and just support that we um, love them and we support them what they're doing and, and uh, we want to um, just encourage them in prayer right now so let's pray father god thank you for tonight thank you for ben and sarah and just their willingness to come share their story with our students tonight god thank you for their vulnerability and just expressing that god they still need you and that is a reality that is true in all of our lives god, that we need you and God, we need you because you are forgiving, you are graceful, you are merciful, and you love us so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. And I pray that that truth would sink in and that would be a reality that you just remind us of each and every day. So God, we pray for Ben and Sarah as they continue to parent their three children, that they continue to show them who you are and that you, we allow and, and shape them into parents that reflect Jesus. Show grace, show truth in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of conversations, in the midst of busyness and sports seasons and, and school. God, that you would give them the grace to show Christ and how they parent and how they love their kids. And let it be a reflection of how you love us, how you love Ben and Sarah. So, God, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for everyone here. Help us to have good conversations in small groups. Help us to go through questions and be vulnerable and open and honest with our small group leaders. And help us just to glorify you and enjoy you with our lives. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.